Welcome to the Gamer Trainer Podcast. We talk about everything from the body, business, and brains of gaming to help you, the gamer, level up your life in and out of games. All right, guys, so back today, and I wanted to talk a little bit about MindFreak specifically, how we started, and what we really set out to achieve with the team, with the organization. Now, I have talked about this before in a previous video. Uh, I've talked about, I've got another video called The Values That um, Shape Mindfreak. I've got a video about Mindfreak almost never existing, uh, which, which actually was re- is reality. Um, you can watch that to talk, I'll talk, in those videos I'll talk a little bit more about the specific process on how Mindfreak came about in terms of us getting rejected from an Australian esports organization, not having our application accepted and us deciding to create Mindfreak. But what I really want to talk more specifically today about is not that, that actual process of, of, of us being like, yes, we're going to be Mind Freak, let's do it. I'll talk about how the whole Mind Freak culture sort of developed from there. Now, obviously being, always being very sports orientated, I always love that sort of sports culture, that us against them, you know, that the brotherhood, particularly being very like into soccer and, and the passion that they have with ultras and to an extent that, that brotherhood that they had in like the English casuals and the hooligans and all that. But I was very, always very fascinated about that sort of brotherhood mentality. And that's what we sort of brought in in Mindfreak was that, that real brotherhood, that family, that, that unity. So while a lot, of, a lot of players obviously play for organizations for, for, for money, for wages, for, for products, we wanted to always make sure that no matter where we were at with finances, with money, particularly the start when we had none, was that it was always going to be about people believing in this, in this cause that we had, this that they're a part of something bigger than just themselves and just their team. And to an extent, I think, I think it worked. I think we've succeeded. I mean, these days in my own personal Facebook profile, I'll make some posts about Mindfreak and reminisce in the history or talk about what Mindfreak's doing now. And I'll have players that play for us through six or seven years ago put up, you know, hashtag my family, love heart. And that's six or seven years ago. And that's with these guys that were just given very basic sponsorships and, and support and didn't have any great financial incentives to play, but they felt a part of the cause and part of what we were really building. And to an extent, you know, the players now, the Mindfreak fans now, we owe a lot to those players back in the day that played for Mindfreak for not really much of anything at all and really believed and helped build the brand to what it is today because it's because of those players that, that went through a lot of those sacrifices too that we're capable of delivering more support for the players these days. So you always gotta respect the history and the past but always be aware that we're in the present now and we're trying to build you know, a better present and future for Mindfreak and for Australian esports altogether in reality. But that, yeah, that culture was built on that, on that sense of brotherhood, that sense of family. We had our Ventrilo server. Um, you had, back in the day, I know honestly, most of the COD teams didn't, weren't, like when I'm talking COD teams, I mean console COD teams weren't really that interactive with their, their PC counterparts. They weren't on online talking with the PC counterparts. They weren't on Discord playing PC games like they are today. So we really tried to bring the console code guys over into our Ventrilo server because it was Vent back those days, Ventrilo, and have them interact with the PC Call of Duty guys, you know, feeding information back of each other. Obviously, console COD was a bit on the ground, a bit more similar to PC COD back in those days, so we could really feed information off each other. They could learn a lot, particularly if search and destroy off the PC Call of Duty guys, who were just another level, like this, 
another level above because obviously even console cod back then was still very similar to the 5v5 S&D. And the PC COD guys have been playing the game for many years. It was far more developed in a search and destroy sense than it was on console. So it was a really good opportunity for them to, the console COD guys to learn from the PC guys. And this culture developed, this, this mind family culture developed. That's what we started calling ourselves in-house because when we had the PC COD guys playing, you'd have Inventrilo, you'd have the CS team, the League of Legends, any other players that we had in other games. We had acquaintances, people that hang around the team that weren't necessarily mind freak, but they were like our friends, close friends. And we had the console COD team, literally this massive channel with like 15, 20 people all in there, literally stream synced, watching say the PC COD team play, for example. And it was this wonderful atmosphere, this wonderful thing to belong to and be a part of. Not, we weren't all separate, we were together. And, and like that would carry on to when the CS team would play, when the console team would play, and then it would carry on to, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, where we'd all be in there together. It, it wasn't everyone's in these separate channels. It was this massive family of the management team together, of, the, of any Halo players together, of console COD players together, League of Legends, StarCraft, like I said, everyone together. And it was this massive, this brilliant culture. And that's carried over not only to online stuff, but to LAN. And we used to go to online events, uh, sorry, LAN events. And we would book out one in particular, we booked out a, one of the ESGN events. We booked out almost a whole floor was Mind Freak. You got off there and there was, every room was Mind Freak. And but the thing is, we weren't separated into our own rooms. We were literally all in there in one room, jam-packed about four or five teams for most of the night until it was time to sleep in the one hotel room, socializing, laughing, you know, drinking, just preparing for what was to come. And there's this wonderful, wonderful atmosphere in the organization and with the team. And it didn't matter, like, because I said I was 100% honest. I've always maintained this with the players about what I could, can deli- couldn't deliver. They knew that most of it was out of my own pocket. So there was this immense respect there that I really felt for me and the management team that these players were willing to give anything. They were willing to sleep on the floor for Mind Freak. They were willing to, to maybe pay a little bit out of their own pocket. And they were willing to give their all with the actual game. And you could see this in, in multiple lands as well, and that, that unity, that family. Because when Mind Freak was playing, for example, in, in PC Call of Duty, I can remember one particular land, you had the console guys and you had the League of Legends guys like on the edge of their seat behind their PC Call of Duty guys celebrating every frag, every clutch, like it was phenomenal. And then it would be the reverse for the other team. The, the console COD guys would play and you'd have Johnny Denon Moloka would come with me, would fly interstate with me out of his own pocket. So he could come and support the Mindfreak guys, so he could give everything he could to the organization. There was this culture, that's how Mindfreak was built. That it was brotherhood. And I really encourage you guys, you up and coming org organizers, all you youngins, the building teams, bring that culture into your teams. Bring that culture into your teams and you can achieve anything. You really can. Because the sponsor dollars, all this stuff they come after, if you don't have that brotherhood, you don't have that unity, if you don't have people that want the same thing, that are hungry to achieve the same thing as you, that really, everyone's pushing in that, that right, the same direction, then it's going to fall apart. doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter what you give players, houses, <laughs> air conditioning, units. Because I'm telling you right now, if the Mindfree players 
had certain things that weren't quite working out, I don't think it would be an issue. Because we're all pulling in the same direction. We have the same values. And I'm going to be honest about that. So don't recruit teams as well for the sake of it. Make sure that you all have that brotherhood, that unity. That comes first before anything. Before any material things. Guys, before any sponsorship, before anything else. You don't sell out your brothers. That's why we created that sort of, that unity. And I'm telling you, there was some, a couple teams that sold us out on the last minute to join bigger offers, but probably a few years ago, and there was only one way out from that, and that was down. They came begging back to join MyFree because they got that instant influx of money there and then, but in the long run, they didn't get the support and that feeling of belonging. And they came back begging to join MyFree, but we're just like a family. Once you're out, you know, once you're out, because we really took it seriously. We were a brotherhood that looked after each other. And that's why you've got Mitchu Velesley in, in Germany now, ESL. Yeah, he, st- he would still feel this immense affiliation with the MyFreak brand. You've got players that, or people that have full-time jobs now. Work for, I know players that, were, that now work for Telstra that have this immense affiliation with the MyFreak brand. They'll do anything. If I come go calling and ask them for a favor, they will do anything. You've got Albert now who... Mehi coming back, he, it's really annoying going out for dinner with him because he won't let me pay because he knows how much I sacrificed and what my freak, what it was, guys. So build that culture. I can't stress that enough as an upcoming esports organization and an owner is to build the brotherhood first and the rest will follow, guys. So that, in, in all honesty, like I can tell you right now, you may be wondering, oh, how did you actually build MyFreak? How did you do the logo side of things? How did you go about for websites? How did you get sponsors? That's all irrelevant because if the culture wasn't there for MyFreak, for that mind family, none of those stuff would have mattered or fallen into place. It's easy to get a logo. It's easy to write up a sponsorship proposal. It's easy to find email addresses. It's easy to try and win over sponsors when you prove to them that, yeah, you can offer them value. But it's very hard and it's difficult to build that culture that seven years on is still strong and, and builds that real loyalty and that brotherhood and that sense of belonging. So if you're an org owner, you also need to feed your mind. Start reading books on leadership. Start watching motivational videos. Start researching stuff on leadership, on building tribes, on things like that so you can really unite your players. Because you, you, you can be so worried about sponsors, you can be so worried about fans, but without, without the players, the organization also doesn't exist. They're your number one. Customers and clients as an organization owner is looking after the players. So build that culture and success will come, guys. I hope that helped. Like I always say, comments down below with any questions, DM me on Twitter, tweet at me, at MF underscore Riggs with a Z. And I'm here to help you build your esports organizations and the whole scene in Australia and the world. Take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>